Hello there, it's Wednesday and it's When in Spain. I'm Paul Burge and a warm welcome to episode number eight. So last week we looked at teaching English in Spain. Well, this week we're going to flip things around and talk about learning Spanish. Coming up, an interview with Melissa, who runs Thinking Spanglish with her friend Regina, a blog described as a survivor's guide to Spanish and dedicated to helping anyone who's interested in learning or improving their Spanish. We'll be answering the dreaded question, should you even bother to learn Spanish if you're living in Spain or planning to move here? We'll also be looking at language learning resources, the challenges and rewards of learning Spanish, some top tips for language learning, and of course, we'll be comparing our own language learning experiences and insights. Melissa's long-held ambition to live abroad brought her to Spain four and a half years ago via her passion for flamenco and her various stints teaching in Spain. Well, we met up on a sunny terraza to have a cold beer in Madrid and apologies for some of the loud and unexpected traffic noise um, on what's usually a quiet street. So I'm here with Melissa from Thinking Spanglish. Thanks for joining the When in Spain podcast. Um, I had been planning to do a, a, an episode about learning Spanish. Um, should you? How do you go about it? Uh, especially if you're living in Spain or thinking about coming to live and work in Spain. And I stumbled across your really interesting website, thinkingspanglish.com. <laughs> thinkingspanglish.com. What made you decide to set up uh, your blog, uh, Thinking Spanglish, with your friend Regina? What's it all about? For me, uh, the title of Thinking Spanglish is really because I was going through a process at the time when I originally set it up, which was, you know, kind of um, really kind of using two sides of my brain and, you know, and using them in quite distinct ways. And um, so, yeah, so it's about the, the crossover that you kind of get when you're into trying to integrate into a, a new culture. Um, so it's, uh, you know, on the one hand, you've got your own kind of culture that you brought with you. And then in some se- in some respects, you're kind of confronted with this different culture. And and it's trying to, it's trying to assimilate the two. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So your blog looks at exactly that. The, the trials and tribulations of, of acquiring a second language. Yeah. Um, how you go about it, what kind of options are available to you, how yeah. to maintain uh, momentum and enthusiasm. Learning a second language is yeah. undoubtedly probably one of the hardest things anyone yeah. Can, yeah. Can, can ever do. If I'm, if I'm honest, actually, I think that's actually what really inspired me to do it. Um, um, because I knew, I knew one or two people um, who had kind of who had come to Madrid around about the same time as me and um, mainly British people and um, I came with a very firm commitment that I wanted to learn Spanish you know I thought that was very sort of um, uh, a really integral part of of, you know settling in a different country and you know integrating yourself into the culture but you know I knew people that were really struggling with that 
aspect of it and initially I was it was it was kind of me trying to reach out to those people and trying to find ways of inspiring those people to not feel so afraid of it yeah because I felt it was so important how important is it to learn Spanish if you're deciding to come and live in Spain whether it be for six months a year several years or indefinitely forever mm-hmm. should people make the effort to learn Spanish or, or, or I don't know can 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 you survive without any Spanish in somewhere like Madrid or the big cities I don't know I mean I have to be I, I know some people who have come to live in Spain or in the past they've come to live in Spain and seem to have survived for you know a year or even longer with you know really just the absolute basics of you know how to order a coffee or a beer or introduce yourself say hello goodbye <laughs> and that's it um i don't know to, to what extent do you think people should commit to learning spanish and what kind of benefits can yeah. that bring yeah okay yeah i mean i think i think in a sense it's true you can survive you know you can survive but that by that that means that you're you're not really going outside of your your bubble so you'll have your english speaking friends or whatever and you're not you're not venturing outside of that bubble at all so yes you can survive but um if if survival means to you you know kind of never really understanding much about you know what's around you absolutely you know. right yeah yeah so um um however i do think that i mean if you're coming for six months okay sure you're not going to need to have an intermediate level of Spanish before you even, you know, step foot in the country. However, I would still say, I think it comes back to my, what I said originally, that I think if you're going to any country, I think, in a sense, you should make an effort to to at least communicate with people to some extent in in the language because not everybody is going to speak English you know you can't assume that and especially older people or and frankly nor should you assume it in a way really it's a Mm. bit of an arrogant obviously you know English is a lingua franca and Mm. you know it's Mm. global language but I think it's a little bit arrogant just to expect everyone to speak English wherever you go. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I totally agree. Yeah, no, I think there is, if you do that, it's it, it's quite an arrogant thing. You know, I think you should be, you know, you should be willing to engage in Spanish. I think if you're planning to stay here any longer, then it's imperative. You know, I think basically it's imperative. You will miss out on so much. You won't understand anything about the culture, really. You won't be able to... You won't even simple things really, you won't even, you'll struggle doing everything, you know, from booking a train ticket to finding out what your electricity company's doing or, you know, just anything. It's, um, it's going to make life so much harder. 110% agree with you. I think it's super important if you are planning to live here longer term. Like you said, maybe if you're just coming for six months, maybe a year, okay, and you're, you know you're not going to be here forever. Um, yeah, it's probably not necessarily worth investing lots and lots of time in trying to get you know an intermediate level of Spanish, like you said. But even the basics, I think, is mm-hmm. sort of courtesy and it's sort of important and will will make a big difference to your day to day life living yeah. in Spain, even if you just know the basics. But I think yeah, I agree. Certainly, if you're coming to live here long term for a year or two or longer, yeah, you absolutely mm-hmm. should really make the effort to. To learn Spanish is for me it opens up so many more doors you can really connect with with Spanish people you can make Spanish friends you understand what's going on around you more you're more aware it's sort of like how that language connects you into the place where you live yes yeah yeah that's actually that's that's true it's, it, it is a sense of um, it's actually 
it is forging like an emotional connection with right. you know where you are you know um, and um, and and I mean coming you know friends friends are, are so important you know as part of that process you know and uh, you know you can't you can't really even if you have Spanish-speaking friends who speak a, a good level of English, you know, and you can go out and have a drink with them and speak English all night or whatever. Yeah. If you're ever going to go into their home, the chances are there's going to be somebody in that house that can't speak English. You know, it's like, you know. Absolutely. Or and if you socialise with a group of Spanish friends, the mm -hmm. odds are that they're not all going to speak English. And exactly. you know, you're in Spain. A group of Spanish people are going to want to speak Spanish together. Yeah. They're not going to want to sit. Yeah in a bar in no, the middle of Madrid no. speaking English you've got to try and find a way to engage with them on the other hand it is difficult I mean that is one of the problems of, of being in a, a city like Madrid Barcelona or any of the big cities um, you know you do have uh, you do have a lot of English speakers um, you know within the, the Spanish speaking community and so it makes it harder you know it does make it harder to to engage on a daily basis yeah. in Spanish yeah. yeah that's true there are lots of English speakers living in Spain and in Madrid or in any anywhere in Spain any big city and there is that temptation it's there it's easier oh you know I could just get away with speaking English hanging out spending all my time with expats or English speakers whatever you want to call it but you, then I find that you just end up sort of living on the periphery really you're not really yeah. living in the real world Spain are you yeah. you're just living on you're living an existence which is sort of outside of a of the reality almost yeah. it's actually I mean I think it's yeah it's actually quite it is quite an unreal existence mm. you know and you have to be aware obviously that if you're in a kind of expat bubble um, you know, depending on your age, I mean, if you've retired and you're in an expat bubble, it's a different situation, maybe. But um, if you're in an expat bubble, the chances are people are going to be moving on. You know, they're not going to be around for, you know, um, and so you can't rely on that. You know, you can't rely on, you know, sort of building a life just with, with people that can, that will only engage in English. Just to reiterate what I said earlier, you just miss out. You're going to miss out on a lot kind of culturally as well. I think, you know, my experience, you know, through having Spanish friends and being able to communicate with them has taken me to into many situations in Spanish life, which I wouldn't have dreamt of if had I not been able to speak Spanish or at least communicate in Spanish to a certain level enough to be able to make Spanish friends, you know, whether you're getting invited to a Spanish family dinner or a birthday party yes. or whether your Spanish friends are going to give you the inside track on somewhere to go like a, a festival or a feria which there are many of around Spain and you get invited into you know, secret corners of Spanish life that otherwise you're just going to pass you by if you're you know if you don't connect with it yeah absolutely yeah there is so much I mean you do um, and they will be they will be aspects that you're not necessarily 100% comfortable with you know they absolutely. might you know you might find yourself you're going to find yourself in situations sometimes that are overwhelming I think those situations are really interesting one of the most memorable ones for me was going to a, a 50th birthday party where they were they were they were literally around 50 people at this party you know it was a garden party and all spanish speakers I mean, i've been to a couple of spanish weddings and they are incredible experiences yeah. compared to you know it's just interesting again if you're going to live in spain comparing 
culturally these these everyday these things that happen that we're very familiar with but are very yeah. different when you're in a different country yeah absolutely in fact that's something i've just i've um, me and regina have been speaking that's going to be one of her next blog posts i think because she's just been invited to one <laughs> she's oh, really? just like yeah <laughs> and um i i'm waiting for an invite to a spanish wedding actually <laughs> I, want to, yeah. I want to experience it for myself um so melissa tell me a a bit about your personal experience of learning Spanish. How has it been? Um, it's not easy learning a language as, as we've established, but what have the sort of ups and downs been? How have you managed to stay motivated? And, and what advice could you give to listeners if they're planning on learning Spanish or improving or continuing with their Spanish? And what kind of resources are there available to people? As I think I said before, you know, my, my personal experience kind of you know like started over a course of many years of me sort of you know picking up books and trying them and then kind of giving giving up um so it didn't really sort of uh, get off the ground until i met people from spain and i had that that kind of gave me a motivation to you know that idea of wanting to communicate with them and it, it suddenly spanish seemed like a real thing you know it wasn't just a uh, an exercise you know it was, it, it was you were, yeah you were actually living it rather than yeah just studying it yeah exactly I think I, I think almost uh, you do kind of have to accept that you know you have to your brain has to kind of accept that it's, it is something real you know it, it is um, part of people's lives I mean let's go back to some of the resources initially I started teaching myself which has its upsides and downsides I mean I think it's great in finding out how you like to learn, how you like to learn a language. I think it's great from that point of view. In any case, I think if you're going to be learning a language, you've got to have that natural sense of curiosity about it. And in fact, you know, I, I'm thinking back to a language school that I know in Canterbury, which is my hometown. I remember one of the people there sort of saying that actually you're 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 not a, you're not a learner you're not a passive learner you're a researcher so it was so i was building up my own type of you know my own way of researching it and i actually the first the first place i went was the bbc to and i started using Mubida loca which was amazing yeah. <laughs> just loved it loved it completely so la, la vida loca is like a sort of Spanish TV soap opera drama series specifically designed for people learning Spanish. Yes. Um, but it's really well produced, isn't it? On the BBC, yeah. made by the BBC. Yeah, made by the BBC, set in Madrid, and I already knew Madrid by that point. Yeah. So, I, so it was feeding all my kind of you know interest and enthusiasm about Madrid as well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, although it does travel around to other parts of Spain, which is nice too, you yeah. know. Yeah, so you, you really feel immediately like you're kind of uh, in somebody's life. The actors are amazing. I think it's the BBC Learning website. I can't remember specifically yes. what the website yeah. is. I'll put a link to it on the show notes and the blog. But the BBC is a real amazing resource for learners at every level. There's audio, there are quizzes, there are texts, there are videos. There's La Vida Loca that you've just said about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, or oh, Mi Vida Loca it is actually. Mi Vida Loca. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My crazy life, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, it's an amazing resource and free. Also, at that particular point in time, I was using a, a language app, which I've written about in the blog, yeah. which is not well known, but I found it amazing. Uh, it's a it's a flashcard app, flashcard app, 
but it has a series of lessons. I think it has th- it's Spanish in 30 days or something like that. Uh-huh. It's, um, it is a little difficult to find. It's by Elkby Entertainment. <laughs> Elkby Entertainment. I will search it out and put a link yeah. on the show notes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so basically, you have 30 lessons in it, and um, in each lesson, they, they build up over, um, over a series of different exercises. So it starts off with like really basic flashcard, picking the right flashcard for the word, <laughs> and then it builds up to creating sentences. And it's all intuitive. So you don't, you know, there's no kind of like, oh, now we're going to stop and show you how to use articles or anything yeah. like that. It just does it, you know, it's intuitive. You start to see how it works. Phone apps. There are quite a few now, aren't there? There's the well-known ones. There's Duolingo, and there's a couple of others. I can't always remember the name. Memorize. Memorize, Memorize is good. That give you, you know, start quite basic level, but progress. And then it's like, it kind of feel like you're playing a game because you want to progress to the next level. And they're really useful for when you're sat on a bus or a train or commuting, and you can just sit and learn, you know, wherever you are, anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, those are those are really good. I mean, I, I tend to think of them as, as, as kind of like backstops, if you like. You know, you're doing it really when you're using those. As you say, it's like a game. So in a sense, you feel, at least when you're using those, you feel like you're doing something. So if you've gone through a bit of a dry spell and you haven't done enough Spanish, at least, you know, <laughs> at least, you know, by doing that, you you know, you feel like you're getting something. I agree with you. Yeah, so there are, there are tons of apps and uh, online resources. Let's talk a little bit about intercambios. Now, mm. intercambios is something which, for me, were like my main kind of port of call for learning Spanish for a long time when I was still living back in the UK and also um, when I first um, moved to Spain. Uh, and intercambio is sort of, there are tons of them all over, everywhere, all over the world. In every sort of town and city, you can usually find an intercambio. And well, what, what, tell us, what is an intercambio? How does it work? Well, an intercambio, the ones that I've experienced in Madrid, um, you, you basically, you go to a bar. Normally, they choose a bar where the drinks are pretty cheap or, you know, maybe, you know, depending on how it's set up, you might get a free drink or something. Yeah. And then you literally mingle and, um, and, and just speak to, you know, sit at a table and you will end up speaking to people. For me, to be honest, I don't tend to go to them very, very often, and maybe I should go to them more often. I used to actually be a little bit afraid of them, I think, because I would sort of, you know, I would, you might end up sitting there and then, you know, kind of feeling like, you know, oh my gosh, now I've got to produce some Spanish, and you know, it's, yeah. But but I think if you're if you're committed to them, um, they can be really useful. I think it's depends on the situation what what you said is quite interesting I mean it, it was it was uh, you know a way for you to kind of connect with Spanish life and Spanish culture from another country yeah absolutely I mean in my experience I think yeah I spoke to lots of people about intercambios and everyone seems to have a kind of mixed experience of them yeah. I think it depends on your luck and which intercambio meetup group you end up going to because some of them are very much uh, aimed at you know, te- well, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds, and it's about sort of getting drunk and that kind of thing, going on pub crawls and bar crawls. But then there are other intercambios which are for more, more of a mixture of age groups, or a bit, a bit more, well, I wouldn't say serious, as in like boring, but a bit more laid back. And um, and again, my experience back home in the UK and here in Spain, it had been a really good way of over a period of time 
forging friendships and getting to know people that you end up then meeting up with outside of the intercambio. You just meet up on your own mm. to practice your Spanish or English, uh, you know, over a coffee or a beer. But yeah, I agree with what you said. I think at first you turn up to an intercambio meeting in a bar and it can be a bit bit daunting because you don't at first you don't really know anyone maybe or and like you said there's a pressure on you that oh I've got to have to speak some Spanish and you don't necessarily know what other people's levels going to be I think yeah once you get past that in my experience super beneficial I would sort of recommend anyone to hunt down an intercambio and try try lots of different intercambios to try and find the one that sort yeah. of fits you the kind of people that are maybe more like-minded to your yeah. interests your age group that kind of thing yeah, yeah i think that's the key actually i think it's trying different ones because um i mean i as i said i don't actually tend to go to them very often i think that's partly because i've got friends that i you know i, I speak to now and i sit down and have conversations with and i've had mixed mixed sometimes i'll go to uh, there was I think partly my problem was I always went to the same one, you know, I, I always yeah. went to the same one and, um, but there would quite often be a different mixture of people coming through because it was one where people tended to go to meet new people and it wasn't necessarily about learning yeah. the language, it was just... <laughs> That's very true, actually. I mean, it is sort of documented. A lot of people say, oh, people just go to these intercambio exchange meetups as a way of, well, yeah, it's a good way of making friends, for sure. But, other, you know, sometimes people have a sort of ulterior motive, yes. an ulterior motive as a way of trying to meet, you know, members of the opposite sex to sort of, you know, go dating or romantic yeah. connections, that kind of thing, which yeah, ha actually happened to me. But anyway, we won't go into <laughs> That's that. Another That's another story. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think, actually, I think that's, and I, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that happens, that's going to happen anyway. But um, but I think um, it, it depends. If it's, a, if it's a group where you can establish a group that's, that's a rel that are of relatively regular attendees, yeah. then great. What about living here, immersion, you know, day-to-day -day life, you're surrounded by living real Spanish we're in Spain you know yeah. uh, you know everything you have to do day to day you're shopping going to a restaurant or a bar um, dealing with practicalities of paying your bills going to the bank uh, that kind of thing that kind of throws you in at the deep end at the beginning because you kind of have to survive and it forces you to learn language uh, what's your experience been of that sometimes it's really painful <laughs> i won't lie you know it's um and um you know i i think it's you know when you first come you you know you're using your kind of very limited spanish to like do the most basic things like going into a shop and you know you do go through that process of rehearsing what you're going to say before you get in there and it's like oh my god you know how do i you know like say that sentence you know you're, you're going through it in your head before you even get there yeah. and then and then the reality is always very different you yeah. know when you arrive and I, I still do that you know to some extent I still have to look look things up based on word reference or whatever to find out. Yeah I know I mean, absolutely me too all the time. Word reference is a fantastic resource isn't it for checking vocabulary and yeah. looking at specific vocabulary in context yeah. Of, yeah. of different yeah. things but yeah, yeah I, I found that I always used to get in my early days of living here intimidated thinking I've got to go and buy something really 
specific you know whatever it might be or uh, you know going in I used to get really intimidated going into tapas bars thinking oh, I really want to go in there the tapas look amazing but then thinking oh god you know you sort of prepare what you're going to say and you look at the vocabulary for the different items and you think okay fine I'm, I, I think I can order this and then you order it and then they come back with like five other questions yes. that you weren't expecting <laughs> which you don't quite understand and you start sort of yeah. smiling and nodding and then they're shrugging their shoulders and you're yeah. thinking you're digging yourself deeper and deeper yeah. in a, into a yeah. hole and you think oh my god all I wanted to do is order a, a beer and a, and a tapas. <laughs> On the subjects of ordering food actually and ordering drinks um, one of the things that I'm working on at the moment, I'm using at the moment, um, I absolutely, I absolutely love it. It's um, it's a resource that's been. It's called Nacho Time, the website, and it's it's um, been put together by a guy who I don't know. I think he was raised in the states to some extent, and then probably went back to Spain, and then went to back to the states for a few years, um, and I think now he lives in Barcelona. I'm not sure, but. Um, He's, he's produced this series of videos and also a series of blog posts uh, designed to help people out of what well, he calls it intermediate purgatory, which is a very good description. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, that's such a good description. Yeah, it is a very good description. And there's one actually very good blog post on there, which is specific, it's just a post specifically about um, how to kind of like order food and drink in a more convincing way, you know, so that you sound more, you sound more, you know, you know really intermediate you know so yeah. you sound more like somebody who can yeah. speak Spanish you know um, maybe get taken a bit more seriously yes <laughs> yeah yeah because otherwise the bar staff may just speak back to you in English you know and right. it's yeah, yeah yeah so and that actually even just reading that the other day I found really useful it's like oh yeah I, I never say that yeah I totally agree with you that uh, ordering even you know once you get to a sort of intermediate or yeah. approaching advanced level yeah it you still have moments you know where you face linguistic challenges on quite a regular basis well when I first came here um, I, because I was really aware that I'd moved into a different culture and it, it's strange things like you don't know you're watching TV and you don't know who these people are you know and it's like when you're coming from your own culture you know you tell them you know who I don't know Bruce Forsyth is you know yeah. who these people are yeah you know partly to watch TV and watch it with the subtitles and you know and and try to like get used to hearing the different words and make sense of what they were saying whatever but also it was it was partly about what is popular in Spain who is popular you know what do people watch on a daily basis you know and that's yeah. really true that's a really good point yeah yeah absolutely yeah because you're right you, you see all these people on TV and they're obviously famous they're like national celebrities <laughs> Um, but you have no idea who they are and it's happened to me when I've gone out with friends around this neighborhood and they've said oh that's that's so and so they just pointed at someone yeah. and I say oh who was that oh the actress or you know and they would say her name and I, think, I have no idea who you're talking about but they're all going crazy because the person's like super famous and it's true that kind of language learning set within a context of uh, popular culture is sort of really important to familiarize yourself with it in a way as a way of learning yeah 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 no definitely I mean I think um, and it just is so much more interesting uh, what about classes I mean would you advise someone who's planning on improving or even starting their Spanish on taking formal classes yeah. um, I, mean, I mean in my experience a bit like yours I've, I've learned Spanish in a really kind of back to front upside down way yeah. through spending time with Spanish people, um, living here, teaching myself with books, 
having a Spanish girlfriend. And then it was only until last year, late last year, that I decided I need to go to classes because I need to somehow pull all of this together in a formal way and sit down and be taught Spanish in a classroom. Yeah, no, that's, I, I totally agree with you, actually. I mean, I think that was exactly my experience. You know, I was getting Spanish from, like, really diverse kind of places, mm. doing all of the things that you've just talked about. Yeah. And, and and that is one thing that I, I kind of regret. I think I would have moved on more, uh, more quick or quicker if... Um, when I first arrived in Madrid, I immediately started doing classes. And I think it was a little bit of pride, you know, it's the, that thought that, you know, oh, I've learned some Spanish now, I can, you know, I can, I'll sh- I'm sure I'll pick it up as soon as I, you know, <laughs> as soon as I kind of arrive and I'm hearing it all the time. And of course, you know, a language is like a code. You, you can't, you know, you can't just Absolutely. do it like that. It does help anyway to have somebody who's kind of guiding you through that process too. I didn't really start to kind of really make improvements until I was getting some classes uh, in work you know just like one hour a week some of the like you know some of the language I already knew it was quite basic and then I was learning new things I was also learning where I had big gaps I came with a sort of A2 level and did this immersion in the July I came here in December 2015 and then did an immersion course Pueblo Español in July it, it was a, a big leap you know to sort of you know go in and then just be surrounded by Spanish yeah it's unavoidable really there comes a point where you do as difficult and boring sometimes as it is you have to sit down and learn the grammar and you have to or you have to go to a class and be taught the grammar and you've got to learn it you know one thing I found strange from my point of view is that when I was living back home in the UK and I was motivated to come and live in Spain so I was motivated to learn Spanish was that I was a lot of my free time was spent teaching myself and I was super motivated and I was buying books and I was spending lots of time listening to Spanish and now I'm living now I've been living in Spain that's sort of dropped off and now I've noticed that I really I don't know whether it's because I think oh I can just sort of relax a bit now I'm living here I'm surrounded by the Spanish language I find it much harder to keep the motivation up now I'm living here than before when I was super motivated to come and live here now I'm here I'm a lot lazier than I used to be, which was sort of what forced me to go to a Spanish class, yeah. um, start a Spanish class last year. Because I found that, and I'm sure you'll agree, the language learning process isn't one straight line trajectory, you know, constantly mm-hmm. improving. I found that I have times where I think my Spanish is getting worse. I have times where I think I'm improving well. Then I have times where I feel like I've gone three or four months where I've just plateaued, where I haven't improved, I haven't got worse, but I haven't improved. It, yeah. it's, it's a strange kind of journey. It is, it is a strange journey and it's quite challenging in that respect and it can, you can get quite depressed about it. If Even recently I've sort of had situations where I've sort of felt quite depressed. I think what you have to actually remember though is that it's not a competition, it's not about other people or what other people can do, it's about what you can do. And um, But you're right as well, you do actually, you do have to maintain a reg, you know, I, I, I like 100% know, although I don't always follow my own advice, <laughs> but I 100% know that if you do a bit of Spanish every day, like learning, you know, like 20 minutes, I would say, you know, 20 minutes is kind of like the sweet spot. I think if you do that, um, um, and you can do more, but, you know, if you're doing at least 20 minutes, I think you're going to, you know, you're going to see improvements very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I totally agree with you because. 
little and often is better than not doing anything for a month and then sitting down for three hours and trying to teach yourself as much as possible and then not doing anything again for another month. From this site that I've just been working on, or I've been using quite a lot recently, um, um, there was one. There's one part where they talk about where he talks about making a plan, um, and in fact, there's a you know provides a booklet where you can download um, download uh, a plan within the booklet. So I've actually printed off a load of those plans. Now I'm not using them now. <laughs> you know, it's not like the best laid plans, as they say. But you know, it, I mean, it is quite good if you if you find that you're someone who doesn't know quite how to how you're going to fit that into your day. Very useful. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, because I mean, I always sort of have a Spanish grammar book out on the table, and it's like the elephant in the room. It's always there. I always look at it and think, yeah, I need to sit down and and open that book sometime soon and the weeks go by the weeks go by the book's gathering dust and you sort of think I you know so I think you're right to sort of make a kind of a, a, a schedule for yourself a timetable and say you know I don't know every every Monday afternoon I'm going to sit down and devote half an hour is a really good idea yeah another thing I was going to say is that I think if you can I mean and it's difficult to say until you start learning is to try and figure out how you learn best because I think everyone learns in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, for example, um, I've noticed that I learn much more successfully through listening. So I find through listening to Spanish audio, uh, listening to Spanish radio, mm-hmm. I don't know how, I think that's just the type of how my brain works, that things mm-hmm. tend to stick in my mind uh, e- more easily through listening rather than seeing words printed on the page. And I know for some people I've spoken to, it's the opposite. They're, they, they're much better at learning of sitting down and reading something in a very methodical way, whether it's vocabulary or grammar. So yeah. I think it's quite important to try and identify how you learn best yeah. and stick to that approach yeah. as well. Do you think? I don't think actually. Speaking as a teacher, I don't think you can. I don't think you can and should stick to one approach. Going back to my days as a teacher in the UK, there was always you know this whole thing about learning styles, and I never totally believed in it, and it's kind of been debunked really? to a large extent now. However, um, I think there are certain ways of learning that suit different different things. You know, it depends what you're doing. You know. And I think the thing with uh, learning a language is there are basically four areas. You know, you've got the, the um, you've got reading, writing, um, uh, and listening and speaking, and all of those things. You know, for you to be kind of fluent and comfortable, etc., have got to converge. You know, so you've got to work on all of them. One way or another, you've got to work on all of them. You know, you can't. Yeah. You know, and different things will come. So it, you tend to, you know, the listening comes before the speaking, really, for the, before the production, and yeah. you know. I think that, as you say, though, there are people have certain preferences. That's true. Um, but I also think that people, you know, as a teacher, you would you would try and sort of like meet diverse needs and people's preferences will change, you know, depending on what skill is what skill is kind of growing. You know, I used to do quite a lot of well, I do do quite a lot of reading in Spanish, but um, I was relying on it quite heavily. But I realised then I didn't have any idea how to pronounce any of these words that I was reading. <laughs> so my my vocabulary was getting great, but I wasn't really understanding how to like produce the grammar for myself. Or, or with listening, you know, it it can become too passive. If, so you've got to be kind of interacting with it in some way. You yeah. really do have to do a bit of everything. What for you personally? has been the hardest or most challenging thing about learning Spanish? Um, 
Well, I mean, if it's a grammar point, I mean, I'm still struggling with, <laughs> I'm struggling with direct and indirect objects at the moment, you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the reasons, Spanish is quite an efficient language in a lot of senses grammatically, and it's because of those, you know, and you can say some things much more quickly or much quicker. Things like learning the subjunctive tenses, you know, again, you know. Very subjunctive is, yeah. I think any Spanish language learner will yeah. say the same. Once you get to a sort of upper intermediate yeah. level and yeah. then you, one day you meet the lovely subjunctive, which it's really hard to get your head around because it, it does sort of exist in English but only in very yeah. few situations but the sub situations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but the subjunctive in Spanish exists everywhere I mean it's yeah. widely widely used and it's kind of like a a mood isn't it it's like a different mood yeah. I, I mean I don't, let's not get into explaining yeah, it now but the subjunctive I think anyone will say the subjunctive yeah, yeah. I, I find also that I'm losing words in English because I'm, you know... That's really interesting. It's really interesting you say that. The yeah. same thing's happening with me. Yeah. That yeah. you did you, Spanish where you think, oh, how, yeah, what's yeah. that? How do I say it in English? Yeah. Is it in English reaching, again? Yeah, you're reaching for it in English to try and translate it into Spanish. Yeah. You know, you'll sort of think... And that's, you know, that's part of that, part of that process of transla translating sort of like from English into Spanish. Um, I think sooner or later, you know, you've got to get to the point where you're doing them both separately <laughs> because, you know, that's yeah. it's very difficult. You know, and sometimes you do, you're reaching for a word which can be like the other day with my language partner. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I forgot the word advantage. Couldn't think of it in English at all. Yeah. You know, I knew it in Spanish. I knew it in English. I couldn't think of it in either because, you know, yeah. I couldn't recall it. In, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's true. You get these these blocks, don't you? These mm -hmm. mental blocks. Yeah. in both languages sometimes sometimes I, f I I forget it sounds ridiculous but sometimes I forget words in English completely like I, I know it in yeah. Spanish so I had my my family visiting recently and we were somewhere and I was translating something on the menu yes. I was looking at the menu and then it was written in Spanish and I, in Spanish I knew what it was and I could yes. see the the, the see thing, the thing. <laughs> I could see the thing in my mind yes. but could I remember what it was in English yeah. no not at all it's really strange when yeah. it happens yeah. And of course, and this goes for all languages, there are things that you just cannot simply translate directly. Mm -hmm. There are things, I think one of the classics for me is, I don't know, uh, ganas, tener ganas, yes. tengo muchas ganas, yeah. which means like you really, really want to do something, yeah. but you can, that, it's like looking forward to, it's, there's no clear way of... Yeah, lots. Of, yeah, there are lots and, there are and lots. Like, yeah, loads of things. I can't think of any at the top of my head no, now. But no. yeah, yeah. Okay, just before we finish, can you give us five top tips mm -hmm. for learning Spanish, staying motivated, moving forward, progressing, sticking with it, right. to hopefully yeah. with a view one day to becoming you know fluent yeah. or as bilingual as possible? Yeah. What would you? What would? What would your tips be? Well, I think. I mean, first of all, you've got to accept that you're going to have ups and downs. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, um, I would say, you know, get classes, get classes, don't be too proud, don't be like me, don't, don't be me, <laughs> okay, <laughs> go and get classes straight away, because that will, you know, you need that concentrated Spanish at least once a week, you know, I would say if you can, try and do 20 minutes of Spanish every day. I, another thing as well is surrounding yourself with Spanish, you know, so, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, if you're coming from another culture, it might the temptation might be to, and it's very difficult this, but you know, to then come to your, you know, come to Spain and then only listen to the BBC or you know, or spend all your time watching Netflix in English. Or... I was slightly guilty of doing <laughs> yes, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you know, and I can see that, but it, because you're a journalist, it's very tempting. But you know, um, but it's uh, 
but I think you know you have to actually really almost drop all of that and I think that's another thing when you first come which is a bit tough but I remember reading some advice when I first moved here uh, it was on a blog post or something and someone uh, someone was saying actually if you want to integrate into a country one of the things you have to do is in a sense kind of cut yourself off which is you know sounds really tough but you know that can even be as much as like talking with all your friends on Facebook all the time or you kind of do have to go through a separation process yeah and it's completely natural you know you move to a foreign country you feel you know yeah. bit out of like a duck out of water you're definitely going to feel a bit homesick at first probably mm-hmm. and so you're, yeah the natural inclination is to oh I'm going to watch you know all of the, my favorite tv yeah. programs from back home gotta watch EastEnders <laughs> or, or, or whatever no 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 for those of you outside of the UK who might be listening EastEnders <laughs> is a British very famous British soap opera set in the east end of London um, but yeah the temptation is yeah. to just to carry on with all of your kind of comforting yeah. English yeah. Uh, things surround you, you know, immerse yourself in those and not with the with the culture with yeah. the lo- with the local culture or media or yeah. TV or yeah. whatever yeah. yeah yeah and I think actually if you do that then uh, you know immediately you're kind of like you'll you'll you know you you will start you know you'll just reject it you know emotionally you won't be connecting with Spain and I think that's the kind of final thing actually I think that you know it's the the emotional connection with the people that you kind of meet and um, you know if you've got like an emotional connection with the country with the people that live in the country in some sense you know then I think you will you know that's that's your motivation you know yeah 100% agree with you yeah that emotional connection it's like that sort of emotional investment Mm -hmm. in the culture in the people through the language which kind of really anchors you into Spanish society I guess and, yeah. and, and really make you feel like you're really embedded in everyday life yeah. here in Spain yeah. Yeah, yeah really good advice really good advice thanks ever so much Melissa for muchas gracias <laughs> and uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us on When in Spain thank you <laughs> Melissa from Thinking Spanglish You can check out their website at thinkingspanglish.com with plenty of really, really useful articles and facts and figures about learning Spanish. And you can also find them on Facebook. Their handle is at thinkingspanglish. So, as ever, thank you for listening and being part of the growing When in Spain podcast community. Uh, There are now listeners in more than 25 countries around the world. Also, a big, big thank you to all of you who've left comments and given the podcast a star rating. And also to those of you who have personally got in touch with me. And don't forget, if you enjoy the show and you haven't already done so and you'd like to show your support, please leave a comment or a star rating on whatever podcast platform you use. It really helps give the show a boost. And just to say that When in Spain is also now available on Spotify, if that's your bag, and will also be available on Google Podcasts very soon. Also, don't forget, you can find us on all the usual social media hangouts at When in Spain, and you can always get in touch through the sister website wheninspain.org. I welcome any of your comments, queries, questions or any feedback that you have. I uh, warmly welcome it so don't be afraid to get in touch.
So that's all for this week. Uh, next week we'll be discovering the no-frills side to Madrid. Unpretentious neighbourhood bars, forgotten history, untold stories and a duck church. Yes, you heard it right. A church dedicated to the humble yellow rubber duck. I'll be talking to Leah, who runs a blog called Madrid No Frills, uh, to talk about all of this and much, much more next Wednesday. So I hope you can make it. But until then, adios. Adios.